0: Hey guys, I'm Chris and I'm Mike and welcome back to this week's no limits, the thriller podcast. What's new today, Mike?
1: Dude, I'm happy because I finally convinced you to read one of my favorite books of all time and the best book I've read in a while. What'd you think of Damascus station?
0: Dude, this book came out in 2021 right? Like what, yeah. what month in twenty twenty? October. October. Yeah. I don't know what was going on in my life at that time. I guess I just moved into my first house. Like I was starting, I had my, my postdoc, like things were kind of crazy. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't read this one. And maybe it's because we, we, we only got the hard copy and I was just like, so, you know, whatever. Anyways, it's all been rectified now. I read it. I devoured it. I d- devoured the audiobook. You can't stop. Didn't want it to end. That's how much I loved this book. I love this book so much that I, I'm going to try to get my wife to read it. Because I think, unlike, you know, I've asked her to read American Assassin. You know, I've asked her to read Transfer Power. <laughs> and I think she might enjoy them. But I truly do think she would enjoy this book. I, I I can't believe it took me so long to read it.
1: Dude, that was my first reaction, too. I actually... Took a step outside my comfort zone and recommended this one to my wife's book club, which they're always doing. You know, whatever's on Oprah's list, or who's that other actress with one of the the book lists? Um, Reese oh, Witherspoon. Uh, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. I was like, of the books that I read, I think this is the one. It's got that romance, that electric romance that's under the you know the guise of the secrecy of the clandestine services on both sides. It brings in a modern-day geopolitical conflict in a very human, humanized way through the characters and the family dynamics. So I was like, it's gonna have all the stuff that they'll love. Turns out, very few of them actually read it because their book club is more of a brunch club, if you will. It's more about the food than it is about the book. And so I was severely disappointed when I made pizza for like fifteen of her friends. They come oh, over and man. like one or two, one or two are like, "Oh yeah, I read parts of it." And I'm like, "Oh."
0: i read parts of it well you just don't need to go back and and reread it all
1: yeah so no i'm not getting involved anymore i learned my lesson yeah there <laughs> you go no more book club interjections for me so best of luck with with Caroline. i think she'll very much enjoy it i hope you have a better experience
0: yeah dude i i don't honestly I, I don't know where to kick this one off i was super excited to talk to you about this so much so that I didn't want to postpone talking. Like I had had something come up that I had to like, I was running a little bit late for the pod, but ultimately I decided I was like, I got to, I got to talk to you tonight about this. I can't go any longer. And it was great. I actually got an opportunity today on my ride home because I finished the book last week and we had some other recordings before we could get to this. And so my mind does drift. Although I, I I have a pretty good grasp of it, but I was so fortunate that you last year in January of 2022 had the opportunity to interview with david and
1: like you i wish you could have been there
0: we don't even need to do the interview like that interview was so good we don't even need to talk about this book i just should recommend everyone go back listen to that and it's funny to see like these times in history right you guys are talking about moscow x and you ask them the question about you know what putin's house what if stuff happens are you going to make any changes and this was in january and like obviously i guess things were like already kicking off a little bit with Ukraine, but my has the world changed and yeah. you know, over a year and a half. And so that that's crazy. He was talking about the book would come out. Did he say the book will come out in 2023?
1: He did say that. Yeah. I, I think that had been the plan, but ah. I, yeah, the world has changed and there was nobody better to just chitchat. Everything. Oh, yeah, Geopolitics, you got a, great, CIA, a great conversation with him, Yeah. Thrillers. He's a huge like hooray fan. Like he was one of the most comfortable, comfortable interviews in terms of, we say this about a lot of guests, but it was just a, it was just fun. It was just downright fun uh, getting to know him and learn about how he got into all this. And this is his debut novel. Let's keep that in mind, folks. Like Chris and I are going to be ranting and raving at you for the next hour or so. And this is all for a debut author. Like that is incredible because we've covered a lot of first books on this pod and we love them. And so many people broke onto the scene. They broke onto the scene with – some very impressive works however i'm going to go a step further and say damascus station has the chance to be a classic i I really think it defines spy writing in the 2020s you know Mm -hmm. i i really feel like it has everything it needs to make not only a great spy novel but just also a, a great piece of fiction and all of that is couched in real history, a relatively recent history, a conflict that is still ongoing in many ways. It, it maybe has faded from the forefront, and that's something David and I talked about in that interview. But it could be seen as a piece of – I don't want to call it historical fiction. That almost downgrades it from what it is. But it, it's a psychodrama. It's a spy thriller. It's history. it's It's so many genres that it's touching on. And each one of them it does exceptionally well. And I think I think it's just one of the novels that we read that could stick around for a long time and be known as a classic in 20, 30, 50 years.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I think, you know, this is like a common theme. You know, listening to that interview and then also talking to Eric Bishop last night, like authors that put he mentioned in his interview that he he wrote a bunch, like he wrote the entire novel, put it away. Realized that that was crap. Had to rework it. Like you know, is constantly tweaking. And like, he wrote it like many years before, like back in like when he was there, right? While he, he was, was an like analyst
1: almost, on the Syria desk
0: during almost. You like said it started as like journaling, you know, like that. That's a decompression. His sort of like thinking about the war himself. You know, that's similar to like what Eric was talking to us about last night about like, all right, I, I had to write these three things, and like, yeah, they might all be crap, but it's all just teaching me you know, to become a better author. And like, so my, but I'm not going to give up. My third thing might, might be that hit. And I think for, you know, at least with David, like he, he put in the work, he put in the time, the biggest thing that I have to like give praise about. And the the reason I think I clicked with this book so much is that it's so, it's the same as the stuff we'd read, but it's distinctly different. And I like that about it. I like that it, you know, and he even says like, yeah, there's action, but it's not there's not a lot, there's no blood and guts in this novel. There's, you know, there's no like tactile description of, of weapons. And like he, he, that's not his expertise. And that's not what he's, he's going for. He wanted to show you what it's like to be a case officer, you know, what it's like to be truly in the CIA. Like, you know, we think about our McTraps or or James Reese's or our Brad Thor's and they are typically, yeah. If they're part of like some clandestine operation, they're, they're more on, the operational side, the paramilitary side, side, right? Rarely do we see fully from the same perspective as like just from, like we get an eye into like what Kennedy does, but you know, now she's a bigwig. Like we never, I would have loved to have seen like, you know, the the Kennedy from American Assassin, like a little bit like more deep dive
1: into that. And that's exactly what we got here.
0: That's exactly what
1: we got here. Running agents, being a case officer, what does that look like?
0: (laughs) Majority of your time is spent. 10 hours doing sdr SDRs. right
1: yeah and he takes That's us crazy. on that ride though he puts That's us crazy. in those like, shoes
0: i was shocked that the guy was like all right this is going to be a 12 hour sdr like 12 hours day is, is literally just for like an hour of time like yeah. it, they they set the clock or they have 40 minutes that they know like they, they can be off camera or like out of sight and then then they might get picked up or whatever like it, it's amazing you know yeah learning those little nuances you know I, and i think like obviously we've read other spy i've read other spy stuff you know whether it's like ray whether it's a lundum you know that that kind of stuff but this is now in the the modern era and so i like that aspect of it too you know it's like taking building upon those greats and and then putting your own
1: spin on it and, and making it just a solid piece of fiction dude yeah it's it's so good general david petraeus former director of the CIA, huge, huge name, right? Even with the scandal he had and everything, he said, it's the best spy novel I've ever read. Like, that's insane. And even Jack Carr said, quote, most authentic depiction of modern day tradecraft in print. Absolutely. Those two comments sum up everything you need to know about this book and why you have to pick it up. And Chris, you asked, where do we begin? I don't know, because there's so much that I love, but I think... For me, the biggest strength here is this book is character-driven, and I love how that was born out of his notes being on the desk, and he probably tracked and followed so many people who actually played a role in the Syrian conflict, and he's able to turn that into these characters that you immediately fall in love with. Some you love to hate, some you're indifferent about, but indifferent in a way that you just are attracted to them, and some you absolutely are willing to die for so where do we begin how about we go through some characters here and, and as we talk about the characters their relationships the plot lines and the storylines around them will develop and these characters play a central role in my limerick for this uh, I, I,
0: was, I was i was waiting for it i was like wait you're not going to say we have to start with the limerick like, of, course, right, there of is, course there it is there it is
1: there once was a spy named sam and running SDRs, his jam, in Syria, undercover, an agent, his lover, and to Proctor, you just say yes, ma'am.
0: Mm, you captured all three of my my favorite characters: Miriam, Proctor, and and Sam.
1: Dude, Proctor kicks some ass in this book.
0: Just a note on the on the scores; it's it's got a pretty good good rescore four point two five. Anything that's above like a four point two like is is solid it's got a four or five on amazon those honestly should be much higher and i think you're you're right we we should start with the characters break it down one by one i don't know like i guess we can just start kick it off with sam you know when we're first introduced to him he's put into the situation where you know we're starting to learn about him and his relation is relationship with Val and like you know we're immediately put into this interaction and they're, they're trying to get an asset out he's missed a couple windows that you know he, it's kind of cool like the spy craft goes into this sa- this safe house or that has like this secret uh garage door or like a garage door but like no one know, really knows it's a garage door because most people don't have garages and then this is being juxtaposed with like this protest outside right. and that coincidentally that's where miriam and razan are at. I, originally i didn't pick up on that razan was a female i thought she was a, a male cousin and then
1: and like i guess i quickly picked
0: the did did you realize that it it, it was her like female cousin but
1: anyways I don't, I don't remember on my first read i think so because they're talking about like she wants to remove her scarf and but i love how those two scenes are playing out side by side and they're two different worlds and, and Sam is not really a superhero. He's not shown right off the bat as what we think of as the typical protagonist in mm-hmm, these stories. Mm-hmm. Cold open with Scott Harvath, you know, kicking ass and taking names. Mitch Rapp killing some people, sneaking up on some dudes. Like Sam is sitting there brewing coffee, like sweating it out, waiting for Val to come. And she comes and she's like, shit, shit, shit. And she's freaking out. And you get the 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 pressure. And how tense it is to be in this role. And then we find out this Komodo, who's the, the code name for Marwan Ghazali, who is their asset, who, who hasn't checked in, is not coming. And they're like, we're blown, case is over. She's got diplomatic cover. He doesn't. So they decide to leave her there. Like, this is a guy deciding to leave his colleague to the Mukhabarat and the Syrian you know, secret police in this house. And he's going to escape and get out the way because she won't fit in the trunk, right? Because the trunk was modified to Marwan Ghazali's specs and she tried to fit and he tried to fit. And they're like, only one of us is getting out of here. And he decides to flee. And so like he's kind of he's not a he's not a superhero right off the bat. You know, he's right. not sold right. us as going to solve everybody's problems, going to do something super badass. But he's going to do what a case officer has to do. Get out. and you know, try to play the long game. Lived lived to the next day, and he's hoping that Valerie Owens' cover, diplomatic cover, will hold. The Syrians will stay true to that. And when he's being debriefed, he's up against bureaucracy as well. Once he gets back home, that that debriefing scene was pretty cool, going back and forth about him recounting the events of that day. Right. And all this is just an opening. We don't really return to, but way 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 later, we'll have huge uh, impacts because Val dies. Right they kill her in interrogation and that introduces us to a whole host of characters. I guess we should call him a villain, Ali Hassan and definitely a villain, his brother Rastoum and his muscle Basil.
0: Yeah. And you know, just immediately I love how we're both introduced to Sam and, and then Miriam and Razan. And then like you, you kind of get because you're in Miriam's head, right? As she's like looking at her cousin up there in the protest and how it all shakes down and, you know, you begin to see like that there's this woman who's, yes, she works in the palace. Yes, she, be- you know, maybe she believes somewhat in what the regime is doing, but probably not really. She, she wants to support her cousin, but she wants to stay alive. And like, you know, honestly, that's, that's a common theme we're going to see with a lot of these care, these Syrian characters of, yeah, maybe they don't fully believe in what's going on but they the only the only thing that they can do is make sure they and their loved ones survive live to yeah. the next day and like, no so agency. that's why yeah. that's why they have to you know go along you can argue whether or not you think that's right whatever ultimately Miriam makes a choice to go against it and in a sense so does her uncle right uncle it, Dahoud. Uh, cool and so does you know Ali Hassan like you know yeah. technically he he betrays his country to, to some extent but in all those cases, it's mainly to save save their life, save any sort of their pride. Uh, you know, yeah, it's just interesting to like learn about the situation. You know, going back, you know, this all happening 2012, 2011, right? Reading about it, I, I think you know if we if we wanted to already dive into and give this a score based on setting, I think he does an excellent job describing the place. In amazing detail, yep. like uh, the inner workings, the you know moving around the city, going into the palace, going into these various safe houses, understanding the nuances of e- even like we, we can maybe talk about this later, but like when Miriam and and Razan go out like on night on the town, it's a flashback outside right? the city, yes, yeah, and, and they get stuck outside the city in this in this town, which eventually is a town that they like, end up bombing, right? Like later on, it stands out. You know, you get this description of this decrepitness and how like yes. right outside of where they live in the rich is this depraved uh, poverty, right? And I just think it fully immerses you in the story in, in the calamity of the situation. Yep. Giving
1: you all the angles. Um, yeah. Like just amazing. I'm glad you put your finger on that scene because I want it, to, it's sort of out of place in that it doesn't necessarily relate to the plot. Yet it's one of the most memorable in terms of the feel, the texture, not only that neighborhood they're in, but just the sense of the old lady. Right, exactly. Her her wrinkles are described, and the 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 husband who ends the up helping her fixing the car. Yeah. He's got the scars from prison, and there's almost this unspoken reflection on choice and agency and willpower and fate it's all wrapped up in this conversation even when razan asks for sugar in her tea and mariam like chokes you know chokes back some emotion of saying like stop it you know like we they're not gonna have tea you know sugar you shouldn't ask and she's like us two christian girls dressed for a night out on the town boozing and this is the daily life of our fellow countrymen and that scene just is almost haunting it sticks with you mm-hmm. And there's no reason to go back to it. It's not like, it's not central to the plot at all, yet it needs to be there.
0: Well, I think it's a, it's a critical piece of character development. Exactly. Not only for understanding. For Syria. Yeah. Not only for understanding Miriam and Razan's relationship, because I think that like, that's initially what David was going for with this flashback, but more so, I think like the more important thing is to give us a character development of Syria. You know, I think it's, exactly. it's pretty, we've it's cliche of us to say it, but like literally Syria is a character in this novel. Yeah. And I think the best of authors can take a place, take a setting and actually make them part of the story. Not just like dropping them, you know, anywhere else. Like this story can only, obviously can only exist in Syria because it's about the Syrian civil war. But you know what I'm saying? Like you could take the elements of this story, put it somewhere else and it just, it
1: wouldn't be as good. A hundred percent. There's universal truths being told. Syria is the vehicle, yet it can't be any other than Syria. It's uniquely mm-hmm. Syrian, yet it's it's getting at universal truths of the impact of dictatorships or these legacies of like the Assad family and what they've done to regions and communities and what they've done with social strata and creating this sense of fear even for the people who work for you, are loyal to you, and rather, you know, the upper crust of society. It's uniquely Syrian, yet it's hinting at universal truths here's the other thing since we're on setting it's not just syria it's also france and all the places in the western world because mariam she's not quite a fish out of water because she's she's syrian but she's also western educated so i think he's also pointing at other things about these societies that a lot of them and often the people in power including the assad family are western educated and it's kind of like this clash of values when she has to go convert Fatima and threaten her and like tell her her mom's going to get arrested and all this. And Mariam knows it's wrong, but she has no choice. And then that spirals out of control when they take Rizan. She really has no choice. She's so torn going through this self-conflict. So much that she even gives up Sam to Ali Hassan and gives him the iPad device. But she's playing this game of... I don't give him everything, but I give him enough to hopefully get Razan out of this, but not enough that they'll actually go after Sam. Everyone's playing this game, these mental gymnastics. We're playing like 4D chess, and we're doing that under the threat. The threat of death is everywhere. The threat of punishment is everywhere. The knock. Oh, my God. Just the knock on the door when they come to interrogate Razan, and she's like, every Syrian knows that knock. It's the Mukabarat. And there it is. I just hit my, my desk as I said that. It's fate. But all these little things are just creating this texture. And, and I began talking about France. That's also transferred over when we're just simply training her in, in Eze and uh, I think Ile de France they go to eventually where that hotel is. I don't need action. Like all of this is so gripping, so suspenseful, so engaging. I don't need somebody to die. And then it is really exciting when – Sam realizes he's on the precipice. He can't go to bed with Mariam. He can't make that jump just yet professionally. He's like it's too much to risk at this point. And she says you're not getting a second chance. It's over. He's like let me at least walk you up to your room and let's at least talk. Thankfully she lets him in even after that. And the guys are there and they have to take out these uh, I think it's three right. Mukabarak guys with a lamp and they were just practicing, you know, Krav Maga. She's she's training the Krav Maga in her underwear in her room. I just all of this hits for me. And yes, that action scene was cool. And they kill these guys and the banditos come and clean it up. And I didn't need more of it. Like that was enough blood and guts right there. It did something to propel their relationship. It basically got her to forgive him. And we didn't just leave it there with, we killed some dudes. Rah, rah. This was crazy. They then sit down together, right? Remember Mariam in her robe. And, and he's like, we need to talk about this. And she's like, stop. I get all the questions first. You know, like I'm going to give you the download of my questions and I'm going to assess if you're being honest with me and you better be honest with me. And and then we're going to move on with this relationship and figure out what we do next. It's so real. They don't just kick ass together, kill these dudes, go on the run and, you know, end a story. It's followed up with that really deep conversation of what do you want out of this relationship, this professional relationship, but this spy agent relationship as well. Where's it gonna go? Let's clarify how we're gonna be honest with each other. How this is gonna work, and I I just think that's how a lot of these things will go down.
0: Yeah, and I think like the advantage of you know that whole tension between you know we don't we don't fully understand Miriam in the beginning. We're thinking, all right, maybe she truly is you know a Syrian, you know like fully hardline Syrian, and then we obviously know Sam's intentions because we're in his head um and then that cat and mouse game that they're playing like do in the beginning you're thinking like oh is he, he is he going to get her is she like realizing who he is and she's going to try to turn on him you, you don't know like where that it's going to ultimately end where it does you 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 know you're thinking like you're constantly just thinking where can this go yeah exactly and then at every turn you know he he does a 180 and he or he, he switches and, and like ultimately brings them together and then after that there's now tension built about all right is she going to get caught? Like, yeah. you know, it, it, are they going to get caught? Like, is you he going to get action. caught? Is he going to get caught sleeping with her? You know, is is yeah. is, is, is he going to get caught by the macabre rod? Is, you know, and then, then he adds on the layer of her then turning on him in a sense, you know, what dynamic is that? Do you, like, in the beginning, you're like, oh, wait, did she actually really turn on them? And then it's yep. like, oh, no, she like kind of half it. But is that ultimately going to lead to him getting discovered? You know, like, you don't you don't know where this is going to go because there's so many players involved. And I think that David does a really good job of keeping us on our toes as re- readers, stringing us along the entire time and really
1: turning it into that page-turner-type thriller. Agreed. Without needing your traditional action for one of these books, that suspense is more than enough, and in, in many ways, even more gripping. It even comes to a head... Kind of towards the end, as, as we're ramping up to everything, when Proctor's like Did you
0: say yeah, We haven't her? even talked about Proctor yet. Yeah.
1: No, we didn't even talk about her. But but the whole Sam and Mariam relationship comes true when he knows she burned him, but he still is gonna go to bat for her. And then she she ends up saving him that attack on like the um, it, I think it was like a river walk where she shows up out of the blue breaking all protocols
0: to give to him save information. Him. Yeah. Yeah, because well, to she gave him to- to- she has information. Yeah. She
1: has to pass that information about uh, Wally Barada, wherever they're taking the the sarin gas and the, and the chemical weapons, and like she knows she has to get it to him, and he has to make the choice to trust her. She has to make the choice to reveal it. She he has to make the choice to trust her. Proctor has to make the choice to trust Sam in his instincts. He even told her earlier, he's like, Mariam's being funny. There's something going on. You know, like that meeting we had with her. She was holding back. I know something's wrong. And Proctor's like, Are you sure she's just not screwing us and screwing you? And like everybody's guessing who's on whose side. Yet what comes through is their relationship with one another is strong enough. They've built that up. We've seen it develop. So we're rooting for them. And, you know, we know who's on the right side. But the fact that that note of who got which of the sites as this play to see where the leak is. We're seeing that at the highest levels run up the chain to Bashar Assad and the head of the secret police and all this. And it's all because she's hiding in the bathroom that she heard this tip and went to go pass it to Sam. I really love that stuff inside the palace and inside the Syrian upper echelons and getting to be a fly on the wall of the conversations where they're trying to uncover the mole. But – He's nervous that it's his own girlfriend who you know right. works for the security services. I really think the develop the relationships are being developed on our side, as well as they're being developed on the Syrian side, and there really is a balance of how much time is spent on each.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's just another element of the suspense, right? It's you know, they they're running like a Tyrion Lannister style, uh, you know, right. uh, you know, weed out the mole yes. game. They don't know that. Miriam was the one who stole the information from the laptop originally, right? So they're putting their feelers out, trying to get that. So that's that's one ev- evidence of suspense. And then, you know, we don't know. that. that also, like you mentioned, uh, Gabriel and uh, the bomb. Like, there's the whole operation with Sam to try to bomb Ali Asan. And then, right. but at the same time, you have this other, like, rebel leader who, they, they even, like, mentioned, like, I think David writes the comment, Sam had the unfortunate that, what's his name? I forget. I forget the commander's name who ends up getting captured, but like he placed his bomb first, yeah. and so like there's that element, of, and like that was like a, a one liner at the end of a chapter. You'd be like, "Oh shit!" Like what? What's going to happen? And you, you know, just bringing all those elements in, just a, again adding more to the suspense, more to the page turnability of this novel. Yeah, really makes it shine.
1: Yeah, we haven't even covered like so many of the scenes because you said the flash drive. That's exciting. It's,
0: there's too much to cover, so we we kind of have too to. Much. Uh, we kind of like it's read the book, but I think like we're we're going to, we're going to touch on certain elements. And I think, I think we got to move to Proctor because she's a, probably one of my favorite characters in the beginning. I didn't, I didn't quite get her, you know, the way he describes her in the beginning, you know, this, this super quirky character or head of station. I think she shows up like wearing like an all like teal blue velour to like one of the meetings, you know. Says dog like puts the word dog shit in like her her cables to to people to say like plans are 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 bad. Originally, I thought like she was like this older lady who was going to cause a problem, but then I realized that you know she's more of like just this hard ass. You know, maybe like super old, but maybe like I'm I'm envisioning someone like maybe late forties, early
1: fifties. Yeah, I'd say.
0: But like you know, trim fit still with it. Oh yeah, absolutely with it. Uh, you know like does you know keeps herself in shape can can take names you know can, when she's can swinging that Mossberg ass. around yeah, during exactly. the
1: embassy raid like whoa that that's just I, I wanted to ask go. you like if
0: if this was to be able to turn into a movie who who do you think would, would be a good cast for that oh
1: dude there's so uh there's so many people I Catherine Zeta-Jones I feel like interesting okay maybe a little younger comes to mind who who are you thinking because i feel like there's a type in my mind but i can't match it with a person
0: so i was thinking like a cross between what's that uh what's her name oh why am i thinking her name jane
1: um what about Charlize?
0: Dude, I was Charlie Theron. Like, was one of the first things that I thought of.
1: I think as a brunette, though, because uh, that's definitely how I picture Proctor. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Like just putting her hair up in a ponytail, grabbing that moss ta- Mossberg, and just going to town, you know. And then Zelda, you know, Z- that was weird about Zelda. I was like, is she on our side? Is she not? There was something funny? I thought for a minute going on there. Uh, and then the way Proctor goes up and down the stairs with the shotgun, and I love that embassy scene. I forgot. That it happens towards the very end. There, uh, I thought it was a little bit earlier in the book. And even they're talking about shredded documents and all this. That's Proctor's like coming out party. Like she had shown, she kind of had a back seat earlier in the book. And then by then, you're like, "Yo, this Proctor needs to stick around." And thankfully, she's going to be in the next book. She's the only yeah. character in Moscow X, so that's a if, smart move.
0: In my head canon, it was a combination of Charlize Theron and do you know Jane Lynch? So you, you you know who she is.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I could see that
0: because she's like witty, funny. She's
1: witty, yeah, and like
0: could punch like you literally could punch a dude in the dick and like just walk away, like you know that that kind of like
1: she she could this fuck all attitude. Yeah, exactly. You know that's exactly
0: what Proctor was like screaming to me.
1: Yeah, I could see that.
0: I was visioning her being younger
1: and you know a little more fit, but yeah, I think if you put all these together, you bulk bulk uh, Jane Lynch up a little, yeah. Yeah, and she's got the um the tattoos I for loved, all the agents.
0: I loved in the end that Proctor just didn't. Wh- what did she say? Like, I don't forgive you, but I I I trust you. Like, you know, like he can never like she can never like forgive him for what he did, but he, he could she could like get over it a little bit in the sense yeah. and like really because she knew what Sam was, what why his heart was in it. Felt for him she even says like i i don't want to have to put another fucking star on my back for you like you know you, you have to make this right and ultimately she is and I, I did agree with your point like in a sense like her and butina are, are like one to one in the sense that they will do anything to you know get to the end game and she's like run the asset you know get them get the yeah. intel
1: save your asset yeah protect your asset collect the intel and like that was all that mattered to her and I feel like Butena was like, "We're gonna, you go get Fatima, like just go get her, you know, like get her back. Like I don't care if you have to take her family, I don't care who you have to threaten. Go, go do it. Like that's your mission." So that that those are kind of the ways I saw those two together. Obviously, I don't want to like Butena at all, but if I were on their side, I would. You know, she would be like a proctor to me. If I, I think like, that, that was I my think intention,
0: Butena is one of the characters where she's like Ali Hassan. Like I think we should get into the Hassan brothers like, torn, yeah, because yeah. you know, one of them is despicably evil and is definitely like the quote unquote villain of this novel. Yep. The other one, I guess is also a villain, but you know, in, again, you you mentioned this in in your interview, you, you want to like him. Yes. Like he, he's this, you know, this flawed character that, at times i feel like you feel for it and david even said like you're supposed to, that I, I was going for that yeah yep. like that's how you should feel reading it he nailed it you know this a likable villain that you you know at times you root for at times you're rooting against yeah but but, but his brother on the other hand is like the uh, complete opposite of that like, a villain you yeah. can never ever
1: if you do then something,
0: something's deeply wrong with you yeah. uh, get behind
1: and another little vignette thrown in in the beginning to set that up and do that character building and world building is when the neighbor, a family friend of Ali Hassan, knocks on their door and says her son's been taken. And Ali Hassan calls in the favor to see if his brother can track him down and see what prison he's being held in, and you know he's being abused there pretty much. And Rustum's like, "You got to stop calling in these favors. You got you got to stop being sympathetic towards these traitors." He's like. He was a kid. He was out drunk, you know, got in a spat with an agent, didn't actually do anything bad. Like, he can learn from this and move on. Like, we grew up with this family. Like, why are we locking up families we grew up with? It wasn't it,
0: me like the the doctors, the village doctors,
1: like, son. Yeah. Exa- exactly. And Ali Hassan played with him as a kid. And we see that human side uh, of Ali. And we see Rustum like, not able to realize that, does not have the emotional intelligence to care about that. He's such a hardliner. So I love how that's set up. And then it all comes to a head, which I I really think my favorite part of the book is like the three quarter mark, maybe like 80% through where the bombs start dropping, where Mm. it is all out war and Ali Hassan, his wife is like, just come home. This is scary. I don't know what's going on. And meanwhile, he's wrapped up in the whole Sam Joseph thing because, you know, the bomb went off at the palace. The is being raided by Basil and his goons, and Ali's wondering about the chemical weapons, right? Because we thought Putena was the mole, and that was a setup. And Jamila Tia is going down, and they planted stuff on his cell phone. And Ali Hassan is just like, "What the hell do I do?" Like, a, a we a bomb nearly got us in in Assad's palace. The country's going to shit. This thing's falling apart. I know my government's about to unleash nuclear wep- uh, chemical weapons soaring gas on these civilians do i just go home to my family and he also he's that family man we're torn with but he can't go home because he has this unfinished business and i think secretly he wants to try to way, find a way to stop this from happening mm-hmm. and that's when he gets caught up with samuel joseph and the americans and and sam cooks this plan to let himself be turned in to make his way to ali Hassan because he believes that he could turn him and he believes that he can get Mariam out by using Ali Hassan's weakness. And I I just love how it all comes to a head right when the bombs are dropping and the city's going to shit like that. It was really exciting, which, which comes at the exact same moment or shortly before one of my other favorite scenes, uncle Dahoud does the right thing, right? He knows he's not coming home. He knows how bad the government has been. He knows the sarin gas is going to get used and he's probably going to be a loose end that gets cleaned up. And he tells Mariam, he goes, practically i know you've been talking to the americans right like i know you have friends he he basically knows his own niece is the traitor is the mole right right. and he's in charge of of assad's chemical weapons he's the number one man after that sniper hit appointed to the job and he wants desperately someone to stop him like he wants somebody to stop him in his tracks yet he doesn't know how without losing everything and he turns to mariam and says I'm going to leave you with some information and what you do with it is up to you and know whatever you choose was the right choice, but I need you to be able to make this choice. And he kind of secretly lets her know where the chemical weapons are being held so she can go turn it over to the Americans. That whole sequence of events is my absolute favorite. And I love that scene of Uncle Dahoud giving Mariam the choice about what to do while he goes off and he's hoping he's, he's going to the chemical weapons depot ready to give the orders to let these things loose hoping hoping mariam can stop him right and then the americans come in and there's a flyover it's insanely good
0: yeah like all that all that's happening like so quick it's very propulsive again and it's just the suspense that drives the the novel forward one other thing before we move forward past the asan brothers but like the the backstory flashback we get like sort of a deeper understanding of why these two brothers hate each other was yeah. just intense like it was super intense, and like you yeah. really understand like how messed up of a situation this is and you know, I guess Bristo blames him for quote unquote killing mm-hmm. both his moms and, and and his his dad, but you know he's not justified in wanting to kill his brother, and ultimately you know he, something is wrong with this kid you you can see from a very early age. And I think like it, that just does another good character development. Understand this di- understand this brotherly ish dynamic, and what's going on here, and ultimately leading up to like when, rustum cracks and stabs Miriam, and Ali has to make that decision you know like what what the hell am i gonna do he could have just let it let it happen but ultimately decides he needs like his brother can't live anymore like you know and his brother his brother he even says my brother was dead a long time ago like i didn't just kill my brother i killed someone else yep yeah so i think that connor does a really good job of setting that dynamic up building it up and then ultimately you get that climax with that tension in that in that interrogation scene you know fulfilling that the destiny of what the two brothers were, were meant to be, and like yeah. you're rooting, you're in that moment again. This is like coming back to like why you kind of want to like ali because in that moment you're rooting for Ollie. You want him to kill
1: his brother, like you want his brother to die because he's such a a, a messed up dude, right? Yeah. And you want him to join Sam, and they kind of find that third way out of the quagmire, right? Where they're, they're like, he's like, I'm not working for you. You're not working for me but we can each get something out of each other. Like this could be mutually beneficial moving forward. I remain in my job, which means my family's protected. But if I ever need a bailout from you and the Americans, I'm not on your shit list. Like protect yeah, me. So if you, you the come embassy. bomb the cities. Yeah. yeah. Take me to the embassy. Or if you're bombing, you know, consider where I live and work. Don't bomb us. And Sam gets out because of that. And so there's this unspoken agreement of like, we're not working for each other. We didn't turn each other, but we can respect each other professionally and, and look out for one another. And who knows the dividends that will pay down the road. Like that's a huge thing of a lot of the spy stories you hear. And even the Americans, I talked about that with David. He's a huge fan. We went on a big tangent of that. You sometimes build these relationships or you keep an asset because you don't know what it's going to look like in five years, in 10 years. And if you could pull on that string in that relationship, it might pay off in ways you never thought of. And so you don't burn people. You know, you don't stab people in the back right away. You keep lines of communication and dialogue open. And eventually, you know, maybe that dead drop will hit and and you'll get that key piece of information or someone will decide to turn or drop you a line all because of something you you, uh, you, you scratched their back, you know, years ago. And I love that we're setting up a long game here that who knows. Yeah, it's a long game. It, it, could, it could come back. Exactly. We could see this again down the road.
0: I was happy to learn uh, in, your, in your interview with David that, you know, while we could just come to an ending and, you know, have our own headcanon about how it goes forward because, they, you know, they were able to give these signals to say they're both safe, they're, they're on the outside, um, he's not fired, you know, he's going through this internal review board, whatever. And we also found out that Proctor, we know that Proctor is going to be in the next novel, super yep. excited to start that when it comes out on audiobook next week. But he said, you know, maybe maybe I'll, I'll have an opportunity to go back to this story sort of towards the end of the war and hopefully pick up with these characters again uh, and, and see that. So it's a nice novel where like it's it's if he never goes back to it, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with it. Like it, it, there's there's like some threads that you I think you could. There is room to elaborate further on, but it is in a sense complete, if that makes sense.
1: Right. It's both complete and unfinished. Which is very much like, I would say, the Syrian civil war and conflict, right? Like, the Assad regime is still in charge. How much has changed? The violence, and I'm sure various factions of rebel cells are absolutely trying to muster, you know, whatever their next phase, their next wave is in this thing. But the Assad regime is still in complete control and clamped down. So I feel like whenever you come back to that story – these characters, including Syria as a character, could be in a whole nother state of mind, but the plot can be resolved or driven by these old relationships, you know, the things right. that happened way back when in the in the thick of battle kind of hardened and tested their their metal so that when we see them operating in a completely different Syria in some ways years later in the present, they can pull on those old strings and 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 you know favors to resolve whatever needs to be resolved then and in the future and that's going to be kind of cool that's that leaves a lot open for storytelling and the fallout of the embassy hit you know like right. if it gets traced that Basel was scalping people and calling up a mob like the effects from 79 in iran are still very very much alive you know 50 years later or whatever still very much at play the dynamics and outcomes of that so that just happened in Syria, right? In 20, whatever, twelve, thirteen, eleven. 13, 11. So the, you know, the 2020s and the 2030s are going to be heavily impacted by a massive right. event like, uh, storming an embassy.
0: Yep. Yeah. Do you want to get into the scorecard a little bit?
1: Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a rip. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty easy scorecard to be honest with you. Um, I'm torn on one thing and, and, um, I'm curious to get your take. So let's start with that because it's right off the bat. The one thing I'm I'm torn on plots a 10, no matter what, how are you going to score action? Because the action is more that suspense. As we talked about these thrilling moments of who's going to turn on, who who's going to catch, who can we give it a 10 for action because of that? Or does it have to be more hand to hand combat? We didn't necessarily get that.
0: You know, honestly, I was like, Thinking today about you know
1: I, I think about my scorecard like the whole day we were we're about in a pod
0: and <laughs> yeah same and I'm like what we're typically doing action because we're reading stories that have a lot of action and we want to talk about like how well that was executed however this is like a little bit of a different novel I think like you know our next novel we're gonna read uh, you know this week and 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 do a pod on it but probably won't release that for a couple, like at least until we talk to our patrons, but that's, you know, Lake Ray's, this bio came in for the cold. And in a it's sense. It's the same thing. That's going to be very similar, right? Right. And so maybe this should be a different category here where action plot are kind of like one large category. Worth 20. Worth 20. And we can score it, you know, however. Because I think if we had to just purely, purely rate the action, Okay, let's pull out the scenes. You have the opening scene, yep, where you know the the the, the protest slash um, yep. crack on the safe house. You have the obviously attack on the compound. A lot of different, you know, scenes where you're you know, the, the bombs coming in at the very end.
1: The hotel killing the bodyguards. Yeah, the hotel like killing the
0: bodyguards. What else? Yeah, not, it's all like, it's all like little, much. little
1: things, but the briefcase, right. Or, or putting in the flash drive, like that, is that's, just, that's, 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 that's
0: just as thrilling as like, you know, someone going in as and a, a shootout. Out. That's just yeah, as exactly, thrilling as exactly. a shootout. Exactly.
1: Or, or even the bomb makers, right? The kid with the tea cart rolling it in and shaking and fumbling. And then the bomb goes off and the aftermath of that. That's an action scene in many ways, you know? Like that's akin to Mitch Rapp taking out 10 guys at a safe house in Leesburg with a single Glock 19, like. Well, think about
0: it this way, right? You're watching like Mission Impossible, okay? And you have like the first one. There's like two sorts of action in that movie, right? You have the helicopter scene at the end where it's chasing a a bullet train, but you also have the scene when he's in CIA, in Langley's headquarters, like propelling down from the air ducts, and like that is an action. You know that that is like a it, that is, yeah. An, yeah. you know, like the, the whole prep for the mission and like the lead up and like that kind of stuff. And like that's exactly what we got throughout this entire novel. Is is that kind of suspense?
1: But here's what's kind of crazy: is like I'm just as suspenseful in those things as I am with Sam sitting on a park bench for three hours reading a book, pissing off the people who are following him. And then he he leaves his bag somewhere like he he leaves like a rug store. He was shopping for that rug, but he left his camera on purpose so that so he can go, double, double back, back and turn around. And when he turns around, he can notice if anybody's following him and and then trails him back to the store. He's like, oh, forgot my camera. Like, for some reason, the way David delivers that is as thrilling as, you know, Ethan Hawke, you know, jumping off of the uh, whatever it is, the um, Burj Khalifa, the Burj Khalifa or whatever in a wingsuit, you know, like it's crazy to say I was just as invested with this dude walking around Damascus, making left turns, right turns, doubling back. I, I even think of that as action, a suspenseful action in a sense.
0: Yeah, so we have to come down to we have here's to the, the stakes.
1: The stakes are if I can find it in myself to give that a perfect 10. This book's a 50 out of 50. That's why. Exactly. Exactly. That's That's why why it hinges on this. If we go eight or nine here, this book's a 48, which is way different than saying it's a 50 out of 50. And I think it deserves that perfect score, if I'm being honest, with the asterisk of it's not action qua action, but it's action qua suspense of a real life case officer running an agent in a war zone.
0: So I'll play devil's advocate. In the past, we've put that stuff. In plot. in, -in. In
1: plot and buy in. And so that,
0: so if if we want to be true to what our scorecard so far has been action to this day has purely meant action. And if that is the case, I got to give it, I got to give it an eight. It's a good score, but you know, just not having, I guess, not that I wanted more, but like just, you know, the action we did got was good,
1: you know, solid B. Fair, fair point, point taken. I'm going to push back on that, however, and say you also have to recognize genres, though. And 90% of the books we read, 95% of the books we read are this more pop fiction thriller. I wouldn't necessarily put this in the same genre as that. I think of it more as literature. Like you said, we're going to read The Spy Who Came In from the Cold. We're going to be severely disappointed if we think of it from an American, modern-day, post-Vince Flynn, thriller novel because the genre of british spy fiction is just so different and david did self-profess say he was leaning into the school of classic british spy fiction in a modern setting and because of that i think whatever past things we've done on our scorecard were the one genre we've covered so far and i don't think we can be so strict to say we must apply the same standards of that scorecard to someone that is intentionally going outside of the genre and reflecting the more British spy style of 30 years ago.
0: <sighs> I'm also of the mind of like, something should be really hard to get a 50. Like oh, almost nothing should be a 50. So
1: sure. And I'm, I'm going to actually, I'm, I'm going to take some heat here. I gave a 50 out before. And yeah, what did you give a 50 out before? To? It was sons of valor too, which oh, yeah, I'm hoping we can still cover here. Cause sons and of valor 3 came out today. Yet. Today's the pub day. Yeah. But here's the thing I'm going to, Unfortunately, and I I I gotta I gotta own this. I'm gonna take take a step back and say there was a mistake there. However, the mistake was not in action, plot, buy in, bad guys, good guys. I stand by that being a perfect score. It's the cover. I I went to a five on the cover on that, when it truly is probably in that four range. So I agree we should be very strict on these things, and that 50 out of 50 should be near impossible to get. And I maybe was a little too loosey goosey earlier. And you weren't there with me, man. I went Andrews I know. and Wilson I would have pushed you hard away.
0: on that. I would have pushed you hard on that. I will put, uh, we, we're going to do a proper scorecard <laughs> when I read the book. So.
1: E- exactly. I'll have a chance to set the record straight. So I agree. You weren't there to push back on me. I kind of went solo. I got a little too ahead of myself. I want to walk that one back, which we'll be able to do when we cover those books. I don't think I want to walk this one back. If I give this one a 50, I cannot see myself walking it back. Okay. I unfortunately didn't read it when it came out. I read it a few months later, and then I talked to David in January 2022. I wanted to kick myself for not reading this the day it came out. All right. All right. I, I want
0: to kick myself for not reading it when you told me to read it in January 2022. A
1: year ago. Yeah. So I, I read it a second time immediately, right, when I picked it, picked it up. And then a few months later, I recommended it to the book club. I read it a third time. I loved it so much that third time. I read it a fourth time. And then I just listened to it again to prepare for this a fifth time. That's so rare for me. There are Vince Flynn books I haven't even read more than twice. So I picked this up five times essentially in what, a, a year. So I'm like, that's insane to say that. So I'm doing it 10 on action. And that 10 on action means a 50 out of 50.
0: No, you're just giving right to it. Yeah, yeah. we could, we could just, everything else for me is, is 10, five, five, you know, yeah no it's, it's five 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 um and i'm a 48 this is probably our least suspenseful our, our least <laughs> suspenseful thing but i think you know the plot and the buy-in it's it's all there it's there. it's yep. there's nothing to nitpick the the good guys you know sam proctor miriam you know in in a sense you know ali her uncle you know all the syrians we get you know it, and then you want to go into the bad guys, like also Ali, Atiyah, uh Basel, like, you know, learning about these rebels and like like that kind of stuff. Like, not that they're bad guys, like you, you, the there's kind of like this, yeah. you kind of kind of is like this amorphous, like um, juxtaposition of like, who is good, who is bad. Yeah. Character development, really good. Yeah. We already talked about the setting. We we haven't we I mean I want to give the cover a five because I thought it was it was very good
1: right before we talk about that can I just give two small criticisms sure. and I don't think they're enough to drop it by half a point anywhere on the scorecard
0: okay but okay.
1: you know we pull things apart right so I think I I still even though I'm I'm making that call I still want to be objective and say it's not perfect nothing can be perfect and if I were to find it there are two kind of Not loose ends, but two things that I'm just like, could it have been worked in better? One of them is the opening when he goes to the cabin and brings the beer and is talking to the guy's wife who eventually offers him the Damascus station job to to go and be station chief over there. I feel like that character was not – Bradley, I think, was not brought in enough. He was brought in once or twice when they were making operational calls back at Langley. But I really liked him in this opening scene or towards the beginning, one of the early chapters, going to Bradley's cabin, going in his basement, staying over there and basically talking about this op and what they're going to do in Syria. I felt like Bradley had an opportunity to come back a few times, a little more than he did. It wasn't required, so I'm not dropping a point, but he was almost left there as this kind of old guard, head honcho, very influential person who maybe could have made an operational call at a critical moment that unleashed proctor you know unleash proctor and sam at the right time
0: yeah but i i think like instead we just got more of proctor we, like, exactly I, I, exactly i think if you if you had had him be it hampers proctor. A, a bigger role then you would have to cut it somewhere because you know Agreed. this book is pretty pretty jam-packed and i think inevitably you would just get less proctor and right. I, I wouldn't have wanted that
1: so and i was glad proctor grew into the role and played center stage and not just some guy from langley you know some de- desk guy who, who's making calls the fact that we gave that agency to Proctor, I think, replaced that. And I was fine with it. And you still have Bradley there for future stories. You know, he can right. still be around. He, he kind of had like an aura around him that he was this wise figure who who could make these calls. And so he's still there for the future. The other one is the bomb maker and his wife, who was this sniper, almost this like ghost sniper who racked up all of these kills. They were cool. And I,
0: I thought they were going to be worked in a little bit more than they were. Yeah. Ultimately, I guess they're just like a a plot device, right? To Correct. push something along. To well, obviously, she's there to kill Dhuud's, yeah, Dahood's boss, right? So that he would replace. So he replaces him, and yeah. then al- also to you know, at the same time that the CIA is trying to buy him b- bomb Ali Hassan, they bomb him, the which kid. which ultimately, like, I guess, causes like some like why the bomb bombing doesn't doesn't ultimately work right Right. that's why they have to wait wait some while so yeah but i thought that they were really cool though and i thought that there was more that you could have done with them yeah but at the same time i I agree with you i don't i wouldn't dock at a point or even have a point because you know maybe if you do have more of them what are you going to take out like you you can't you can't really I, i i think they fit in perfectly, but I do I do see your point in the sense that they were there are cool characters that, that could have
1: had more of them. More yeah, them. you, you could have had more. So that's part of the issue. It was a little awkward when they were mentioned because he was making the bomb side by side when the CIA oh, lady yeah. was making the car bomb in the door. And there could have been I, I do think it took me to my second or third reread to truly understand which bomb was made by who like the car op to let the car door blow out and and get Ali Hassan on his smoke break. That was a CIA op that the lady was making that bomb. But then we'd cut, and he's making another bomb, as this Syrian rebel cell, the dude who lost his fingers, got murky for half a second. But here's the other reason I can't deduct points for that. One, it wasn't that bad. We're like picking nits here. But the real reason is that's the reality of this conflict, right? It wasn't as clear-cut as Syrian government, bad guys killing innocent people, You know, the Americans supporting some rebel movement, trying to hurt the bad guys. There was always this element of, is it ISIS? You know, who's out there doing something for their own gains and they're trying to make inroads? Is it a rebel cell that's not working with the Americans or the other known rebel cells? Is there an independent rebel cell that's going their own way? And so I have no trouble believing that there were other cells, other independent actors unawares to the Syrians and the Americans and anybody else involved in the game whether they're on the terrorist side whether they're on freedom side whether they honestly are just doing this for themselves i got this sense that it it murkied the waters of who's who on what side of the Syrian conflict and introduced this third actor which wasn't unknown to our intelligence and Syrian intelligence and to me that's probably the reality so right. it felt weird when they came in but i think it reflected the status on the ground.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that.
1: Yeah. All right. So what about this cover, man? The cover, yeah. It's hitting on all fronts. I mean, we just looked it up and I knew it was like Minaret Mosque. Of course, this has to be somewhere. It is the Grand mm-hmm. Mosque of Damascus. So we are talking about judging the cover by the book. We're in the right place. The strips of red, the way they're shaping, is like referencing this trope this cold war trope of like sh- shredded paper right and right, piecing right. together a puzzle yeah. or a cable right there's some sort of cable coming through and you only have a few letters on a scrap piece of paper a little strip and you're decoding so whether it's decoding a cable or whether it's a shredded document those those red lines going horizontally and they're being misshapen totally is evocative of that cold war era right right and then the color it's so drab in the background yet so vibrant with the red. It's almost a contrast between a very boring grayscale. The city in some ways is old, is run down, but it's blood. It's that bright red vibrancy of war that kind of shocks you out of that. And so I love this dichotomy between the modern text, bright red color, and this very drab grayscale minaret mosque in the background.
0: Yeah. And I like the birds. Like uh I, you know obviously this is probably just like a picture like a true picture that was taken and then then they ran with it but and the birds are just there because they're there but you know sometimes like birds like in some cultures represent like um like ominous like tendencies or like something bad is going to happen like when the when the birds are there then or when the birds start yeah like when the birds start to fly away like you know something is going you know obviously there's some movement there that or like something that caused them a disturbance uh, and it just leads to those, like, this eerie-ish feeling that, like, all right, something, something's going to happen in this novel, which obviously it does. And then there, there's a second novel, a second cover. Is this the, the British version?
1: I believe it, it. It looks like it should be, uh, yeah. but I believe it's the Kindle version. So I don't know if that's oh, Kindle okay. worldwide, but it looks like a typical British printing of right, the novel. It does.
0: We just get like the you know essentially the same cover from a different angle you know, different, different coloring, but I, I like it just as much. Like it's, it's pretty cool. Obviously the first cover is, is just amazing. Like yeah. hands down. really it's classic. But so yeah, that's, that's the cover, man. All we need to know is who's your winner, man. Who is, who is your free space?
1: I mean, there's so many ways I can go with this. I just have to say the cast of characters in general, the ensemble, if you will, this really is an ensemble kind of book. I think it could have very much been too many cooks in the kitchen. And maybe the first time I read this, I struggled with that a little bit. Uncle Dahoud is Razan's father. They're cousins. Mariam and Razan, maybe. Butena, Mariam, Razan, Proctor, you know, who's who. Ali Hassan, Rustum, Basil, Jamil tia He kind of got a little lost in the shuffle of who is he the first time I read it. So the fact that you could keep all those people straight, all of their stories intertwine in a viable way, the story checks out, each character always checks out, their motivations check out, their backstories check out, and you have this many of them is a feat. So I'm going to say what David created in terms of this ensemble of characters, ones like Ali Hassan, who are so deep, are they good, are they bad, are they villains, are they sympathetic villains? Or are they actually not villains at all? He's asking those questions of multiple characters. And Sam, is Samuel Joseph even a hero in this book? He's obviously a protagonist, but could you call him a hero? Does he go on the hero's journey? I don't know. And so I'm even questioning that. So you've created some very complex characters. You've nailed the relationships and dynamics between them. And at the same time, you wove each of them into the plot in a way that was necessary and checked out, and that to me is a massive feat.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mine's kind of like piggybacking up on you. I, I, I gotta go with the banditos. I, mm. I really like like these guys. Uh, I thought yes. that, you know, Sam immediately was like, "I'm going in. I, I need, I need them. You know, he's he's the he's the man in the he's he they are his man in the chair, even though they actually do you know surveillance and stuff like that. But yeah, and I, I thought you could have easily done a whole story about them and like that yeah. that just shows like how good of like a side characters they are and i think one of the aspects of them right is that they, they're native syrians and so they're 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 skin in the game for them the reason that they're there is because they obviously feel some way about the conflict and so they want to put their mark on it and that's why they're fully fully committed into you know the bombing uh you know try to take out ali hassan into you know getting miriam turning her over um, tracking them, helping Sam
1: out in any way they can. So yeah, yeah, I
0: really like those, those, those three people.
1: Love that. Honorable mention, just going to throw out an honorable mention, the SDRs.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's cool.
1: And the actual life of a case officer and how it's way different than most of the books we read. They're not the special operations group or the special activities division. They're, they're a total different set of training and skill set that is about people that's about vulnerabilities and choices and relationship and all that's nailed in the dialogue when he's recruiting Mariam in the first place. When they have to talk about who they truly are and what this this partnership is going to look like, nailing the dialogue, nailing the SDRs, the training, the spy craft, it's all there. So I know that's a grab bag of honorable mentions, but they deserve to be mentioned. Yeah, definitely,
0: definitely. Yeah. Dude, man, love this book. Damascus love Station.
1: Book. I got you on board. I did it.
0: Yeah. So I guess next week when we come to you, we'll be we'll be talking Moscow X.
1: Eventually, yeah. Um, is that the next one up? We're doing spot. The spy who came in from the cold, which we talked about.
0: Yeah, but we're not going to publish that until after we talk to our homies, right?
1: Yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I guess we could hold off on that. We got Moscow X ward larson's book assassin's mark comes out on december uh, 5th so we'll have to work that in but yeah i think you're right it's going to be moscow x spy who came in from the cold and assassin's mark next on the docket there you go you so
0: read up again let me thank our patrons our special operator sherry f our special agents daryl kevin george matt Dawn, dennis peggy Catherine, ray bridget jeff and mark Please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. You can find us at ThrillerPod.com or on Twitter and Instagram at ThrillerPodcast. And as always, just let Proctor be Proctor.
1: Protect the agent. Collect the intel. Can I give a little postscript here, a little post credit. And unfortunately, I don't want to be a Doubting Thomas, but I feel like a part of me, I set the bar so high with how much I like this one, combined with the Furman theory of second novels, second books are hard. We've seen a few examples of a second book, not flatlining, but a a step down from the debut. Did I maybe hype myself up too much for moscow x i just want to love it so much and i didn't start it yet do you think there's a chance here i built up a little too much it i kind of am putting pressure on moscow x to be something i'm hoping it's as good but is that realistic to think it's going to be as good yeah i don't know man i think you just got to go in the empty like not not really thinking about it i can't think about it yeah you just got to take it for what it is and enjoy yeah 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 really do i the reason i'm caught up in this is I'm thinking back to in the interview with David, and it's like way over a year ago now, but I remember thinking to myself, oh, no, your next book won't follow this up. Like, you're going to randomly take us to Russia with different Right, characters? I
0: remember you talking to me about that off, like in one of our pre-pods, yeah.
1: I wrestled with it for a little bit, and it was obviously where he wanted to go, and and no doubt he'll pull it off. But part of me was like, damn, we're not going to see more of these characters now? We're going to have to wait for that? I was like, don't go to Russia. You know, don't take me to Putin. Leave me with Assad and Sam and Mariam. And I wanted to see the fall of that out of the uh, Damascus Station right away. I guess that's just my own impatience. So I'm going to go in with a clear head with Moscow X. But I'm really hoping your theory doesn't hold true about second books. Yeah. No, (laughs) me too. Me too, man.